podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva again from the Journal of Medical Education. I'm talking today with Lynn Monroe, Director of Medical Education Research at the School of Medicine in Cardiff University. Thanks, Lynn, for agreeing to do this and getting together with me on such a gloomy day, at least here in Vancouver. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to have been able to invite you. I know you have a paper coming out in the June issue of the journal entitled Differences in Students' Discourses of Professionalism, Acting, Representing, Becoming. And I was eager for the chance to talk to you just because your take on this issue seems to be somewhat different than many that I've seen and it feels like it's leading us in an intriguing direction in that I've heard a number of people when they talk about professionalism just throw their hands up and say, well, we can't do anything about it because we can't even define it. But your research seems to be moving us a bit beyond that reflexive reaction. Would you mind sharing with the listeners what you've been thinking about? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I think that was exactly our take on it when we embarked on the study, really. And the paper reports on a subset of our data from a much larger study that was looking at medical students' professionalism dilemmas And we were listening to students' narratives of of these sort of dilemmas that they experienced in workplace learning. But before we we could even go into that and try and understand about the professionalism dilemmas, exactly as you say, you know, what is professionalism and what do these students think it is, was the biggest question on our mind. So we, we interviewed 200 medical students from three sites across England, Wales and Australia in groups and individual interviews and we just asked them that question what is professionalism and what does it mean for a year x medical student that's actually a burning issue that we had at the back of our minds when we started the work there's a huge sample that you've collected uh, in particular for interview methodologies yeah. what led you to think that you had to go after such a large diverse group across three separate countries and institutions We wanted to understand this, not just from the perspective of of a single site study, which is one of the criticisms that we frequently bandy about within medical education research. We felt that in order to really get to the heart of some of these issues, we need to be talking to a range or interviewing or surveying a range of different students from different stages in their undergraduate trajectory and also at different schools so that we can try to tease apart a lot more of the nuances as to what's happening within whatever phenomena that we're investigating and this just so happened to be professionalism dilemmas within this study when we started to look at the ways in which the different students were talking about what professionalism was and what it meant to them we found that We had a unique opportunity to investigate this. We had a unique opportunity to look at different stages of students' development, different schools with different curricula. So it was quite an exciting opportunity to investigate that particular data. That's right. And did you find that it actually made a difference or were the perceptions somewhat uniform across those different groups in the end? We looked at what they said and also how they said it. And we began by sort of identifying the different dimensions that they cited. We discovered that between all of them, we got 19 different dimensions. But what became apparent as we were doing this analysis was that not all medical students, not all the stages of students and not all schools were citing the same dimensions. 
And then when we started to look further, we thought, yeah, well, well let's see whether preclinical students talk about less or more different dimensions. And we started looking at it. We actually realised that some of these dimensions, they talked about them very differently depending on the school that they were at and depending on the stage of study that they were in. Mm-hmm. So there were differences across the level of training according to not just the dimensions that they identified, but importantly, the way in which different dimensions are constructed within different discourses seem to vary as well. So when I'm talking about discourses, I mean, professionalism is so complex, as as you said, it's not just about itemizing a list of different things that professionalism can be, but it's also constructing it in a worldview So professionalism can be quite individualistic. It can be a set of traits that we might possess personally. But also it can be seen as a collective endeavour. So issues like accountability can be constructed in a collective manner. But also sort of taking things on further, there are discourses around complexity where principles and attributes of professionalism, rather than being attributes of the individual are attributes of contextual interpersonal elements and are in constant conflict and continually being negotiated and kind of renegotiated dynamically really. So what we were finding and it was quite complex was that you know certain students had embraced different ways of talking about professionalism as well as identifying the types, the dimensions of professionalism at an objective level, so to speak. Did the individual students' perceptions tend to fall into one of the 19 dimensions, or were individuals also representing multiple dimensions in the way that they were speaking about the concept? I think what's easier to understand is, I mean, certain certain students, for example, would be constrained within certain ways of speaking. But what we did was we actually grouped the students to try and make sense of this. Basically, we had six groups of students. We had the three sites. So that was one in England, one in Wales and one in Australia with different curricular approaches to professionalism. But we also looked at the students according to preclinical, that's years one and two, and clinical years, that's years three plus. So if you can imagine, we considered them in groups like that. So we had the preclinical students, the clinical students across the three sites. And what we found was quite striking, actually. Students at two of the schools had quite narrow and unsophisticated conceptions of what professionalism was. It was more of a performance and rule-based perception of professionalism. And at those two schools, not only was it rule-based and how I look, how I act, it also became more constraint the longer the students had been in the curricula. So we found that actually preclinical students had a more nuanced understanding within those two schools than the clinical students. Yet in the other school, let's call it school A, right. we found that these students demonstrated from the beginning really a nuanced understanding of professionalism using a wide range of discourses and further not only did they demonstrate a nuanced understanding the clinical students were even more so 
So there was a development that was a much richer development. So we have like the opposite effect happening there. Right, right. And I appreciate that you don't and shouldn't identify the specific school you're referring to, but are you able to speculate, given your data, what the difference might have been that resulted in the two seeming quite distinct from the other? That's what our analysis did, because when we noticed this, we really then felt that we had to go further with our analysis. So we actually did quite a sophisticated discourse analysis. We looked at the curriculum that was happening Mm -hmm. within each of the schools. We looked at the policy documents that the curricula drew upon. We looked at the ways in which professionalism was being taught because we wanted to make sense of that. We had our inches, but it was very difficult um, to understand without doing a systematic analysis. And what we found was that the students in the two schools that had the less sophisticated understandings that were rule-based and that actually the sophistication was worse the further along the curriculum they were, Mm -hmm. used predominantly lecture-based teaching of professionalism. Whereas the third school had early patient contact and had professionalism that was much more discourse-based, which was much more around small group sessions, exploring with clinicians, the nuances, talking about events that had happened and trying to make sense of what was happening within their workplace learning experiences. Interesting. I think I'm going to have to leave the details of the 19 dimensions and some of these other issues for people to read about in the paper, given that uh, we, we won't have, yeah, it's quite complicated and I couldn't do it justice, I don't think, in a short podcast. But would you say that what you've just described is the main implication of your findings? Are you prepared to say that schools need to move towards that sort of teaching for professionalism? And aligned with that, I suppose, given that you've found 19 dimensions seems to reinforce the notion that professionalism is very complex. What advice would you have for educators, curriculum developers, or teachers with respect to how they might manage such a complicated topic within their educational activities? Yeah, I think I'd be very cautious about saying throw away the lectures. Lectures <laughs> <laughs> have their place. But what we found, and this just doesn't come from this one study, although this is really rather a large study, this is work that I've been developing with Charlotte Reese at Dundee. And we've done an awful lot of work in this area. And this particular study actually does demonstrate that the embodiment that the students have when they are given an opportunity to explore, to talk about things between themselves, to have an opportunity to make sense of the confusing situations in which they are placed, in which this is negotiated in the moment. The narratives, the small groups, the way in which they form relationships with one another. And I would also say the element of clinical direction within that. So this is facilitated with a clinician who has experiences in this where they can make sense of the uncertainty out there seems to have made a difference to the ways in which the students talk about professionalism, professionalism situations, what it is and what it means to them. And they really were able to grasp that in embodied manner. And the interesting thing is they really owned these understandings of professionalism rather than they said, they told us this is what it is in a tentative way. And I think that's what we're after, ultimately. We're after clinicians who can actually make those decisions and make those nuanced 
clinical judgments in a complex, uncertain world and not just follow rules and feel that they are doing things that are imposed upon them. And I do believe that the types of curricula that we have makes a difference to how our students develop. It's fascinating work and an incredibly ambitious, important study. I want to congratulate you on having conducted the work. Thank you for not only submitting it to medical education, but also making yourself available to discuss it this morning. Oh, thank you very much, and thank you for listening. Oh, my pleasure. I'll just remind people, the paper is called Differences in Students' Discourses of Professionalism, Acting, Representing, Becoming. The first author who I've been speaking with is Lynn Monroe. It should be out in the June issue of Medical Education, 2011. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk with you again soon. Thanks, Lynn. Okay, bye.